Hello and welcome to this special series of podcasts that we call Mahlzeit, discussing food and food cultures in an ever-changing world with rising insecurities and inequalities. For the first time, we will be doing a series in two different languages, so you can look forward to a few episodes in German as well as in English. Join us at the proverbial table as we explore the art, science, politics, aesthetics, commerce and even philosophy of food around the world. This podcast is brought to you by Brill and I'm your host, Ursula Steinmann. Today I have the pleasure of talking to Professor Wernert, Professor of Moral Science Strategy at Fontes University of Applied Sciences in Eindhoven, and Professor van der Meulen, Professor of Food Law at Copenhagen University. Hi Bart and Bernd. Hi, I'm Bernd van der Meulen, both a teacher and a practitioner in food law. Hello, my name is Bart Wernert and I'm a Professor of Moral Design Strategy at Fontes University of Applied Sciences in the Netherlands. Thank you for coming. I, uh, it's a great pleasure. Can we start by uh, talking a little bit about your recent publication, your book about applied food science? What was your mission with that? What is the intention? Well, first of all, it was great making this book uh, together with uh, with Bart. Um, the book stems from uh, from kind of dream regarding um, working in the food sector. Um, the food sector is a very complex um, and knowledge-intensive sector. And um, if you work there, you're working on a day-to-day -day basis um, with clients who are experts in um, related but, uh, but different fields. And we thought it would um, so much improve the, the, the level of communication between experts if people would have... Um, at least some basic knowledge of what is it that my colleague is uh, actually doing. So we collected a team of international experts and um, uh, created a book with 20 chapters on um, a, a variety of food sciences um, ranging from toxicology to ethics, from microbiology to, to, to marketing, from uh, uh, evolution, genetics um, to law. Um, to, uh, but we made it in a consistent manner, a, a clear structure to every um, uh, chapter so that you can read it almost uh, like a novel. And the end result is the story of applied food science. Yeah, if you if you want to put it um, differently, actually we want to encourage disciplinary empathy um, in the food business sector. The book is really extensive. So um, let's say I'm going to found a new food business and my idea is that I will be growing lab um, lab grown meat I will be growing meat cells and also fat cells in a lab and then bring them to the market as burger buns your book has all the information that I need the book has all the information that you need to understand what the people are doing that you are working with um, nobody has all the knowledge needed to actually grow meat from stem cells in the laboratory. 
although um, some researchers are really far um, uh, far advanced. Uh, but also they will need to find a way um, uh, onto the market, um, understand the procedures, understand how to communicate uh, to consumers. And then they will find interesting information in this book, which is, by the way, uh, available at uh, open access. And regarding the food law, let's say I'm about to launch this business. What would be the biggest challenges regarding food law in the EU that I would be facing with such a business? And what would be the food ethic problems that I need to consider? Well, the food legal problems, um, uh, they will start from the very beginning if you are as innovative as, as, as in your previous question. Uh, if you create new ingredients, uh, the legal requirements are, um, are tough. Um, the law heavily leans towards um, uh, food safety and away from, uh, from innovation. So the, the, the level of, um, uh, of proof that is required that the product is actually safe um, uh, for consumption is high. Um, too high for the average um, smaller medium-sized uh, enterprises. So food uh, innovation to a large extent is um, a monopoly for large um, capital intensive uh, businesses. But if that part is, um, uh, is achieved, it's covered, um, then the legislation um, will be involved in detail in what you communicate to the consumers, uh, the information that you must provide on the label, the information that you may not provide on the label, the promises that you are allowed to make. Um, if you claim that your product has health benefits, then you have to, um, uh, to fulfill requirements almost as high as the registration of a new, uh, new medicine. So, and, and when we talk about the ethics side, um, um, it's, it's slightly different, of course, because there is a strong distinction between law and ethics, um, where in law we try to regulate, um, um, well, the food business sector and, and, you know, add consequences to certain behavior we want to encourage or we do not want to have in a society. Um, ethics is involved with the question, well, how should we behave morally? Um, which relates to one another because it's both a normative um, issue, but ethics is more something that businesses can do um, voluntarily, or perhaps they want to incorporate that in their business DNA um, before they actually start producing something. Um, and here also lies the challenge a little bit. Um, in essence, um, there are two main uh, food ethics themes, you could say. The, the first is, what shall I eat and what shall I not eat? So some people, for instance, do not want to eat meat. Um, now why why is that? Uh, uh, why do you include or exclude particular animals or animal products in your diet? Uh, the other thing is um, more the environmental and social consequences of um, consuming food. And, and, and pretty tangible is, of course, um, pollution that can be caused um, by food production. Um, so when new technology 
is used to come up with innovative ways to deal with these issues, there are also ethical considerations you need to take care of. So, for instance, if you somehow can find a way to produce um, meat without killing animals, would that, for instance, change um, your ideas on what to eat and what not to eat in a diet? Um, these are considerations you might want to integrate in your food process, food production process, or in the design of your products up front. Um, you may not want to wait with your ethical considerations when your final product is already there, because then you'll get this ethics for ticking the box idea that you have an ethical framework and you just tick the box of these ethical concepts and then you say, well, this is ethical. Um, so I guess that especially with um, rapid innovation, you might want to design the ethics in your process when you start and not wait until the end as a checkup. I find that very interesting. Can you explain a little bit more how food ethics and also food business ethics are integrated in EU food law and policy nowadays? Or is there a shift to integrate them more or in different ways? Well, I think we, we, we should make a distinction between what we can expect from law and what we can expect from ethics. Um, uh, a legal norm is, uh, has a certain purpose. It, it's, 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 a more, it's, it's, it's a slow process because legislation is usually slow and it should be because we have to consider things thoroughly. When we want to adopt something in the European Union that's applicable for each and every individual or business, um, ethics can be more flexible because it can rapidly change when conditions change, as a matter of fact. And so there are complementary processes where we have fixed legislation with clear consequences in how to behave and how not to behave. Um, we have your moral choices that can, you know, um, be individual choices. It can be consumer choices, for instance. So a consumer can morally consider, uh, I want to eat more sustainably or I want to uh, exclude particular uh, products from my my diet can also be business ethics and then we um, are a little bit on the thin line between business ethics policies and individual behavior of those who are representing a business um, and ideally you would want the latter to comply with the first but that's not always the case so um, um, the, the question is in the end how can you complement the legislative norms you agree upon in a given society with ethical considerations on a more individual or business uh, level. Let's turn back to the book. So the, the motive was to inspire interdisciplinary empathy. Uh, what I would like to know more about is, was there anything that surprised you two when you invited the, the experts of these diff very different fields that maybe you were also not completely familiar with? Which, which chapter surprised you the most? The way it is when you um, when you edit a book, when you bring together um, a, a team of um, uh, of experts, and the the the, the drafts of chapters um, are arriving, then often you feel that the chapter that I'm currently reading um, uh, that's the one uh, that uh, that makes my day, that uh, that makes the book. Um, in that sense. <laughs> Truth be told, um, part of our inspiration um, uh, to do this book is because we ourselves were um, eager to know more um, uh, about these fields. 
Yeah, that, uh, so we were um, in the position of editors, the first readers, the first consumers, the first enjoyers of, uh, of the book. Um, I now understand more of um, uh, marketing, of microbiology, of uh, genetics, of um, uh, toxicology. And I feel largely uh, enriched uh, by this. Why is it helpful to know about all these diverse um, topics in, let's say, working on food policy? Like, uh, let's say a food lawyer is reading this book. How is knowing all the, the different topics or how is knowing more about all the different topics helping in considering a problem in food law? Well, um, the, the science is very much integrated um, uh, in the law. Um, uh, if your client has a problem with inspectors um, related to hygiene legislation, um, you can only help your client in a meaningful way if you have some understanding of um, uh, microbiology. Um, uh, if you want to help your client um, uh, place a new food on the market, um, you have to help to, to provide the evidence that the product is safe. And so you need to be for meaningful communication uh, with the toxicologist. Um, uh, when you um, uh, want to talk to, to the, the marketing department about the promises that they want to make with regards uh, to the product, um, uh, you have to, to balance their needs to, to, to put the product out there with the legal requirements that you can only make those claims that are uh, science-based. Um, if you want to um, uh, discuss the issue and the legislation um, on irradiation of products, you have to have some understanding of radioactivity. Um, so so that each chapter um, provides an extension for the lawyer of some of the legal norms that they are working with, and vice versa. Um, if you um, uh, do the tox studies, um, uh, you need to know what is required in a regulatory process, etc., etc. Saying that it might also help in overcoming prejudice about the other job. Um, so we both have a legal background, so we know what what, what lawyers do and what lawyers are. Um, and lawyers are also pretty well known for those who say no in an organization. So you shouldn't do this, or this is um, not a wise thing to to proceed because it might you know, uh, be a risk for particular rules and regulations and so on. Um, and if people would understand how food law works, um, they might also perhaps better understand why sometimes the lawyer says no. Uh, and the other way around also. So if I better understand marketing, food marketing, maybe I do understand the enthusiasm of the marketeer who wants to, well, to sell a product tomorrow. Um uh, maybe without much legal consideration. So it helps to better understand the other profession and, and also to, to sympathize a little bit more with the other profession. You mentioned food safety, um, toxicology, radioactivity in food. So that's a very important part of making food safe for everybody. But how is food security, having enough food for everybody, becoming increasingly important? Or is it? It is absolutely becoming increasingly important. 
um, the European Commission still claims that food security in the EU is not under threat, which is a kind of um, surprising position. Um, we are witnessing that under the influence of climate change, the Sahara Desert is expanding its territory um, into Southern Europe. And we see temperatures go up in um, uh, Portugal, Spain, Italy, Greece, and at the same time, uh, levels of rainfall uh, going down. And with this process of desertification in the south of Europe, um, uh, comes a, um, uh, a fall in agricultural uh, production and in the capacity of the EU to be self-sufficient. Now, on top of this, um, uh, we've had um, a pandemic that um, uh, undercut the, the, the economic um, uh, viability of, uh, of society. Um, we are facing uh, a war in uh, Ukraine that threats uh, the food supply. Um, so all in all, uh, at the short term and at the middle longer term, food security is definitely um, uh, under threat in uh, in the EU. And policies and systems um, need to uh, to respond, need to be resilient. Do you have an example of one response that is possible? Well, um, we had the recent um, uh, ETO crisis, uh, uh, ethylene oxide, that had contaminated a wide range of products um, uh, in the EU. And the response was um, taking all potentially affected products um, uh, off the market and, uh, and destroy them. And the European Commission uh, took the position that, yes, we want to avoid um, uh, food waste, um, but food safety always has uh, priority. And in the longer term, um, we really need to rethink the, the extent to which we are um, willing to accept um, uh, certain risks because the luxury of throwing out everything that might potentially be affected by something that we that we do not like is a luxury that we cannot maintain for the uh, for the longer time the food security um, issue um, the joint research center of the european commission has done a foresight study on food safety in 2050, um, where this loss of food security is at the heart of the, uh, the analysis. Um, they um, elaborated four scenarios how the future might, uh, might develop. And in all scenarios, the EU is dependent to become food secure again, uh, dependent on international trade, um, either with the emerging economies, um, which is challenging currently, uh, you wouldn't like to be dependent on Russia um, uh, or China, or dependent on the transatlantic um, partners. Well, consumers are now already quite 
outspoken against uh, TTIP and CETA treaties in fear of um, uh, too much influence of North American uh, culture. Um, a third scenario is um, uh, urban agriculture, uh, where every consumer also becomes a food producer. We've seen that scenario emerging a little bit um, under the COVID pandemic and trade goes via the internet. So rules and requirements need to be adjusted. And the final scenario is the one that was labeled food with a pH, the, the, the scientific scenario where the, the, the pharmaceutical knowledge and food knowledge um, uh, team up to improve um, uh, food security. Well, if that is what we want, then the rules of the game need to be adjusted and need to make it uh, possible. And the rules of the game will only be changed if the mindset of the rule makers, that is the European Commission, European Parliament, if that mindset is changed into a different uh, and more future-proof food policy. Uh, perhaps uh, um, an addition um, or a final addition could be that, uh, you know, food for, for individuals, for, for consumers is sometimes a very personal matter, a sensitive matter also. Um, people want to eat good food in a way and they have their own ideas about what good food then is. Um, some, sometimes even edging on the religious uh, thing. So, so people uh, have strong faith in their own ideas on what good food is. Um, which is fine, of course, but I think that for also individuals reading this book um, might also help to to gain insights in the various um, scientific disciplines that, that define what good food could be. Um, and, and it might also help maybe um, quashing some myths that are around um, in, in terms of what, what the good thing can be. Um, so this, this book is perhaps not only addressed to, I don't know, food business students uh, who at some point um, end up in the business or professionals, but maybe also just people who are curious to learn more about food science in general. Thank you very much for this interesting note at the end. Thank you, Bart and Bernd, co-editors of Applied Food Science, published by Wageningen Academic Publishing. Thank you very much. Thank you. My pleasure. You are listening to the Humanities Matter podcast. You can find more podcast episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts.